epistle reading this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the fifth chapter, and is the basis for this morning's message. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning you've heard read a few moments ago, Romans chapter 5. I'm going to put the verses up on the screen as I work through so you can refer to them as we go through the message today. There's an old Bible study trick that I learned somewhere along the way. Maybe, maybe you did too. It, it, it goes like this. Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to stop and ask, what is it there for? Because it's a little signal post uh, that tells us that what you're about to read is a conclusion, it's a summary of what has gone before. So all summer we've been working our way through this letter that was written by an early Jesus follower named Paul to a group of little house churches in the imperial capital of the civilized world of the first century, namely Rome. The whole book The whole letter is about being made right, and that's been the theme of the sermon series, being made right with God. And yet sometimes I think that we are guilty of reducing the whole message of the Bible and the message of this whole letter of the Romans down to this little me and Jesus personal forgiveness so that someday I can get out of here and go and go to heaven. And while it certainly includes personal forgiveness and the promise of everlasting life in the new heaven and the new earth, it is so much more. The fact is that it is nothing less than the kingdom of God, which is this whole world being made right, coming into our moment in time by faith in Jesus again today and then living that faith until he comes again to make the world right permanently. Now last week, Pastor Elliot did a very powerful job of unpacking a key word for us to understand what God is up to in our world and in our lives, and that word was justification. And if you were here, you might remember that he used this image of load-bearing walls of a house that have to support the roof that allow the house to actually stand. 
And then he explained to us that justification is being declared innocent, being made right with God. We are justified, he told us, by grace, which is God's undeserved and unlimited love. And we receive that grace by faith in Jesus, which God must work in us through the power of His Holy Spirit who is coming to you even now as you hear these words being spoken to you in the waters of your baptism as you witnessed it this morning in the Lord's Supper when we celebrate it in the mutual conversation that you have with other believers about your faith and in your prayer. And that justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, is the only thing, the only thing that is able to support the weight of your life and mine forever. So, try and prop your life up with your own efforts to be a good person. Try to prop your life up with your religious performance, and in the end, it will collapse on your head. And that justification that we receive by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, people, makes a difference in the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we act and the way that we feel when things are going oh so well in our lives, but surprisingly this morning also when things are not. So it's to these benefits of justification that we must turn to this morning in our text as Paul delineates them for us. There are three of them that we can look at very quickly, benefits of our justification. In these opening verses, first note, there is peace with God. And it's important for you to note that This peace with God is different than the peace of God that we pronounce at the end of every sermon when we say, now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith and a life everlasting. That peace, the peace of God, is an internal calmness, a confidence, an inner quietness, while this peace with God is an external, objective reality of the cessation of the end of hostility between humanity and God. Now, why is that so important? Well, because we were designed and created to live in the continuous, full, face-to-face presence of God. Everything that it means to be human rests on God being the center of your identity and the center of your day-to-day existence. Set your heart on anything other than God for your happiness and for your security, and you are at that moment in an open rebellion against God against his good and perfect will for you and for the whole creation. Now, the Bible has a word for that. The Bible calls that idolatry. And it always leads us into sin, which turns out to be a contract with death on the installment plan. 
Justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, is the once and final declaration of the end of the war between God and humanity. Our hearts are then awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit. We get reset on our Creator as the only source of our happiness and our security. The power of sin and therefore the power of death are broken in our lives and sanity is restored. But secondly, Paul also writes that not only do we have peace with God, we, look, now have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. Peace with God takes care of our idolatry and the sin that followed it all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. But someone has very rightly observed that, that the human heart is an idol-making factory. And so we all know the daily struggle to keep our hearts awakened and centered and focused on God. But the benefit of our justification is that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus, we now have a personal and present and ongoing relationship with God. And by that faith, we have this ongoing access to His grace. Look, when I find myself explosively angry over a comment that my wife makes. <laughs> or maybe a coworker. When I find myself incessantly worried about my children or about the political chaos that seems to be breaking out here, there, and everywhere, when I find myself so discouraged and despondent to the point of despair, just throwing my hands up in the air, I am at that moment experiencing the consequences of my idolatry of having my heart set on something other than God. And even if it's only a momentary anger, worry, or despair, these things in your life are the signals to you of your need for more grace. And our justification guarantees that all we have to do is turn around to discover not an angry, vengeful, judgmental God cowering down at us, but a loving, merciful, compassionate Father with His arms outstretched at the cross waiting to embrace us again. And then again. And then again. We now stand boldly and confidently in an ongoing presence of God it is a secure and an ongoing friendship with our creator so look thirdly Paul says that by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus alone we have peace with God we have ongoing access to God and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God now, the glory of God is a phrase that I must confess has escaped my understanding for a large part of my life as a follower of Jesus. What exactly 
is the glory of God. Till I finally discovered that the glory of God is what you and I were designed and created to experience. The glory of God is this continuous, full, face-to-face presence that alone can satisfy the deepest longing of the human heart. Look, our past is covered by our peace with God. Our present is secured by our ongoing access by faith in Jesus to His grace. And our future, our future is restored to his face-to-face presence is absolutely guaranteed. Now, we get little bits and tastes and glimpses of this glory of God even now, don't we? I mean, aren't there times, maybe during a worship service, maybe the singing of a particular song, maybe as you come forward to receive the Lord's Supper at the communion rail, or in a time of prayer where you sense that presence of God? In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul said that now we see that glory of God as in a mirror, dimly or darkly. (laughs) But then he goes on to say, then, and the then is when Jesus comes again to make all things new and wipe every tear from our eyes, then we shall know that glory fully, even as we are fully known. Benefits of justification, peace with God, access to the ongoing grace of God for our daily lives, and hope in His glory that creates in us an unbelievable ability to live a life that is impossible to live any other way. Look at how Paul concludes this text. We are receiving nothing less than the supernatural ability to rejoice not only when things are going well in our lives, thanking God for every blessing that He pours out upon us, but look, even when things go terribly wrong. And now I need you to hold on tight because it's very easy to throw these words around carelessly and cause more harm than good. It's been a hard week. People that are near and dear to us are facing difficult health challenges and even death. Congress is in chaos. The war in Ukraine has almost slipped from our view as horrific violence breaks out in Gaza. Rejoice? Really? So let's unpack this very carefully. Because followers of Jesus do not rejoice for our suffering. That would be called masochism, and it is listed in the American Psychiatric Association Manual of Mental Disorders. Look, there are some followers of Jesus who may wrongly believe that they need to feel guilty. They need to suffer out of some deep sense of unworthiness and guilt. There are some who would even celebrate their suffering as a proof that their faith is bigger and better. 
using suffering to justify themselves. But we are told that we do not rejoice for our suffering, but that we can rejoice by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can supernaturally rejoice in the midst of our suffering. Look, there is no joy in the actual troubles of this life. And God hates them every bit as much as we do in this broken mess of a world that we live in. We're not stoics who just grimly grit our teeth and put our heads down and push forward. Rather, we are given the eyes of faith so that we can look through that suffering and keep our eyes fixed on our peace with God, on our ongoing access to His grace and our hope in His glory. And so Paul lays out this positive progression that our justification can produce in our lives in the context of our suffering. First, suffering produces endurance. And this word endurance is the ability to focus on what is ultimately important. It is this single-mindedness that allows us in the moment of suffering to cope with the circumstances. Endurance is this one day at a time narrowing of our focus in the face of our suffering. Look, the dreaded diagnosis comes and we're able to take the next step. Death crouches at the door, but we can see the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting that lies beyond, and we endure. And that endurance produces character, good character, by the way. Someone has called it cosmic poise, and I kind of like that. It is a spirit-given ability to handle life and is circumstances now look not in some emotionless cold sort of way but with the peace of God that inner strength that he gives us when we know and we cling to the truth that there is nothing to separate us from his love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord have you ever heard this old saying watch your thoughts for they become your words Watch your words because they become your deeds. Watch your deeds because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Watch your character because it becomes your destiny. And it is a character by grace through faith alone in Jesus that for us produces hope and it's more and more and more hope it's an ever increasing hope those who have suffering those who are suffering are those who are most likely to cling most dearly to the promise people there is so much more to life than the here and now so that suffering when it's received by faith through God's grace is what leads us back to the one place where we have real hope, real confidence, where we have absolute certainty, and that's God. This hope 
is like splitting a spiritual atom that sets off a chain reaction of more peace with God, of more access to His grace, and therefore more hope in His glory. How is it possible? Hebrews chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore. What is it there for? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you hear it? Jesus suffered. Jesus endured. Jesus rejoices at the thought of being together forever with us in the new heaven and the new earth. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, where is that? That's the real face-to-face presence of God in all his glory. Jesus has accomplished our hope on the cross. And it is a hope that can never fail. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in this true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. There's a weekly awakening question for you to talk with one another about as you go out from here today that simply ask you to look back and share a blessing that you have received as a result of suffering. Share a blessing with one another that you have received in the midst of as a result of suffering.